0: Litigation Psychology Podcast, brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. I'm Dr. Bill Kanaski here with my guest, Tim Urey. Tim, how are you doing over in uh, Dallas, Texas?
1: I'm doing very, very well. Good morning to you.
0: So happy to have you on the show. And as you know, you and I have talked um, a, a lot this week, um, uh, and you're in the trucking industry, and we really want to dedicate the month of May to, to getting the word out to the trucking industry on... Um, you know, updates, strategies, uh, try to get the industry talking more. It's a very unique time for the trucking uh, industry. Can you tell us a little bit about, about your company, your background and kind of your role in the, in the trucking industry? Cause you're not a trial attorney. We talk into a lot of trial attorneys on their perspectives, but we really want somebody from more of the, um, the insurance side of, of things and, and coverage. Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Right, so uh, I guess originally to start out, um, son of a truck driver. Uh, my dad's been a single unit owner-operator my entire life um, till his recent passing in February, uh, but just grew up in a trucking family, and um, so I've been here at Kleinwood for since 2013. Um, we are a, an insurance agency in risk management that just specializes in the trucking industry is what we do. Um, prior to coming to work for Climbwood, I actually was at a 600 unit pneumatic tank carrier, um, in operations role there. And we had actually grown that company from probably 30, 35 trucks up to 600 plus. Oh, wow. So just a lot of experience there on the operational side. And now being able to blend that on the insurance side gives me kind of a unique perspective. I think when I'm meeting with my clients, my insureds is I've actually sat on their side of the table before. And it makes that conversation a lot more fluid, I believe.
0: Excellent. So um, COVID-19, we're uh, hopefully on the back end of it, not the middle of it, um, but it's obviously had a, a, a huge impact on the uh, trucking industry. And I I know, and I'm aware that uh, some of the, some of the kind of the rules and the guidelines have been drastically shifted for the trucking industry to allow them to make, um, you know, more deliveries uh, to, to deliver, um, goods and, and and things like that. Um, how long do you think that's going to last? And and at some point, do they do do, do do they reel it in, or where where do you see that going?
1: Yeah, so we've kind of been. It's kind of really been unique how they how and what they labeled as essential products um, that were needed to get out um you know i would say the vast majority of freight has still remained under the same regulations that it's had before it's just that from a federal and state perspective concerning hours of service and certain things they did loosen the regulations in that um, just for essential goods um, which affected a small percentage of the transportation industry but a lot of it still had to remain under the same regulations they had before Um, i think one of the challenging things that we see from our perspective and that we've counseled our clients on is although um, there may be a federal um, guideline that comes down um, allowing some, some a little bit of gray area in the hours of service during this essential delivery time, uh, what we've counseled our clients is on is to remain and keep their drivers under the current regs because the last thing we want as one of our drivers is to be out of hours or have their hours kind of in a gray area in the event of a large accident uh, because that's going to be very, very difficult to- uh to defend yourself if you have to you know go to court with that, so we've really tried to proceed with caution with that and not to use that as any kind of blanket approach to to some big operational change
0: very interesting so um the top so the nuclear verdict topic um, does this topic just not scare you to death i mean do you, are you like up at night losing sleep because some of these nuclear verdicts, particularly in the trucking industry. I mean, it's put some companies out of business. What, how, how have you, at your company, have you guys been communicating talking about these nuclear verdicts and the types of things that you can do to, to avoid them because, um,
1: they're bad. Right. That is a daily conversation we have with every insured that we have. Cool. Um, and I, and I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. Um, you know, we're, most of my work is primarily focused in Texas, although our firm is national and uh, we do stuff all over and I travel a lot. Um, you know, it's every every town, every city you go in on the interstates. I mean, there's billboard attorneys everywhere, everywhere. that call us and we will, you know, we'll sue the trucking company for you. Yep. And you know, I think that's the big challenge that we continue to see and and I look at it like, you know, we had the asbestos run back in the 80s and now now that that kind of dried up, now let's we've really put a target on the trucking industry. And the sad thing is though that we look at it and and I say this coming from a trucking family that much of the trucking industry um we we don't do what we should to guard ourselves to start with. Um and we're almost giving the other side ammunition a lot of times. Um because yeah. we're not we're following our own policies and our own procedures and, and, and we vary a little bit on that and they, they will use those things against us.
0: Oh yeah, um, on several of the cases I work on, trucking industry, um, it's hard not to cringe when going through whether it be the employee handbook or policy and procedures. And the language used in that type of documentation can really set you up for disaster, particularly if it says, you know, ensuring safety is our top priority above and beyond everybody. If that's plastered all over your internal materials, uh, can certainly can certainly lead to trouble. Tim, I'm gonna share my screen with you and I want I wanna play you something. It's 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 short. Okay. And this is something from our nuclear verdict webinar that we do. And it's a short video, and so what I did, can you see that? Yes. What I did is I went on YouTube, and I just put in the search box, nuclear verdict. This is the only thing that came up, and I want to talk about this, because I do think that the use of technology in the trucking industry, obviously it, it's evolved over time, and it's getting very, very sophisticated. But I want you to listen to this message, and then let's talk about it. Okay, perfect. Today we want to talk about a pretty disturbing trend that we're seeing throughout the industry, which is the rise in nuclear verdicts. Yet another carrier has closed its doors. Uh, Doing something about the nuclear verdicts against fleets in the industry, thousands, five to 10,000 jobs have been eliminated from these carrier pools as well. It keeps happening. This is the eighth major bankruptcy this year. We've seen about 3,000 trucks leave the market. They've got these programs in place, they've got technology in place, and they walk the walk and talk the talk. You have to have the people in place that are gonna monitor it. In this day of technology, where you have all this information that's preserved on a computer system where then it aids in preventing those foliation claims Great to have technology in place. It can be very beneficial from a legal standpoint to be able to stand up in front of a jury and say this company exceeds the industry standard when it comes to safety. All right, so I want to share that with you and go back to our full screen here. A couple things about that that kind of bother me. Well, first of all, they have the three bullet points on how to avoid a nuclear verdict, and none of them have to do with litigation. None of them have to do with preparing your witnesses to testify. None of them have to do with legal strategy. And then the second thing that bothers me about that video is it's kind of sending the message of, as a trucking company or industry, the more technology you have, you can advertise to a jury that you're the safest around.
1: What are your thoughts on those messages? So the big word that stuck out to me in that is monitor. Yeah. There's one word that they said. So we can have all the technology under the sun, everything known to man. But if we're not monitoring that and using that for, coach, for a coaching tool and to actually improve our scores, improve our policies and procedures, and to, to have corrective criticism within our own organization, because um, I find that a lot is, you know, companies may have technology, and but they're not using that as a tool. And, and I think that is absolutely crucial. And there's a lot of things that we promote and we really want to encourage our carriers to do. But with that, I always tell them if you don't have the personnel hired to to monitor and to use this as a coaching tool, then I would rather you not get the technology. You need to have the personnel ready to utilize it. If not, don't spend the money on it because you're it's just fluff at that point.
0: On several of the cases uh, that I'm working on currently in the trucking industry, it seems like technology cuts both ways, uh, particularly with the use of the, uh, the in-cab um, vi- videotape and- Dash cameras. And, and, yeah, the dash cam uh, and, 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 and GPS. And so when there is an accident, I mean, nine out of 10 times, now you have a full video. Um, right. Of of it, what has been the industry talk about um, technology? Um, I guess in some ways it's a real positive, but in other ways can be a real headache when it comes to litigation, right?
1: So I think there's several ways to look at that, and this is a I think a constant argument that we could have on both sides of the fence. Um, You know, historically, when you look at commercial trucking accidents, uh, 70 plus or minus percent of those are statistically caused by passenger cars. So the idea would be that the dash camera is going to help us on at least 70% of those showing that we're not at fault. And then we've got, you know, another 30% to deal with and that where we are at fault. And what I have seen um, is, is looking at those, if we are at fault, well let's own up to that. We have, we have the data, we have the footage, we're at fault. Uh, Let's settle the claim and let's move forward and, 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 you know, and let's, let's just deal with this like we need to, instead of dragging this out for three or four or five years in court, just making the claim and the cost just continue to to accrue. So I think that's one of the things that I look at most is even those who were at fault, I think they could actually settle cheaper just because we just need to own up to it. We messed up. It's on us. Let us do that. But the other 70% so outweigh that just because we're able to, and we've seen that with a lot of our clients, Bill, honestly is, Um, Because a lot of those, we have the ability to download and share with a roadside trooper on the side of the road at the accident. Where, you know, we have a four wheeler that pulls over in front of us and brake checks our truck, and we rear end them. And our driver said, "This is not my fault." Here's what happened. We can show the trooper the video footage. That's amazing. We'll not get any any violation, any citation, no roadside, nothing. Because the trooper is going to look at that other guy and say, "Man, what in the you know what were you doing?" So. It, it becomes a very valuable tool when you have that real-time data to work with.
0: That is absolutely amazing. I did, I did not know that. Um, pretty, pretty amazing stuff. A couple more points before we wrap up. Something I find very, very interesting um, is how the role of meteorology has played in the, 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 the trucking industry. Mm-hmm. And I know that some, some trucking companies have meteorologists on staff. Right. And they're the ones making the calls because so many of these accidents are weather related. Um, how do you see that issue as far as decision making as far as, okay, does does this guy get on the road when it's okay, it's thirty-two degrees, there may be a twenty percent, twenty-five percent chance of snow. How do you see companies making those calls and, and, and is 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 it a, a pretty united front across the industry or is kinda is every company doing a little bit differently in that regard
1: i would say every company's different in that regard obviously i think your larger fleets have the ability to staff someone like that um, to have the resources to do that and they're able to track that nationally and really track their drivers Um, then i think you see a lot of you know because a lot of the trucking industry is made up of fleets that are 10 to 50 trucks Um, a lot of smaller fleets that make up the vast majority of it and so When you look at those, I think one of the key features in that is what I've seen that's been the most, uh, um, I guess, fruitful, if you will, is the number of drivers to a dedicated dispatcher and what that ratio is. Because the the idea is that dispatcher, you know, if he's only, if he's dispatching 10 trucks or he's dispatching 100 trucks, how much more time is he going to be able to spend with a lower number? And so I think that's where a lot of fleets kind of work through that as an internal model of, you know, and, and that varies too. Are they, are they long haul? Is, or, you know, are they moving from California to the East Coast and they're going to have that same load on for four days? Or are they regional and they're going to have three loads today? So that, that driver ratio per dispatcher, I think, really plays into that a lot. And, it's, and it goes back to with the weather. Is it a regional or a nationwide company? Because there, there's a lot of factors that can go into that. So, um, you know, I think just from a fleet standpoint, it, it varies very, very widely and greatly of how how they handle that internally.
0: Makes sense. Let's wrap up with uh, my favorite topic, uh, reptile. Um, the reptile uh, tactics and the planus bar um, practicing those tactics, uh, I think, has had the trucking industry in their crosshairs for some time and uh unfortunately have been really successful Uh, and i think a lot of the nuclear verdicts that you're seeing uh, many of them are driven through these reptile tactics is is that a discussion you're also having internally about how to identify uh when you have a case where you know the reptile uh, tactics are going to be used and and maybe taking some um extra steps to try to uh help get ahead of it because what i have seen in the trucking industry is by the time everybody figures out they're getting reptiled it's way too late and then right. the the ability to settle a case at a reasonable rep- amount goes out the window and then when you try to settle they're like oh no 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 we are going to the courtroom <laughs> and that's right. going to double there
1: what what are some of the discussions on reptile that you guys have been having internally so that's kind of been a passion of mine and it's funny that it's yours as well for the for several years now just diving into this subject because I was very fortunate several years ago to actually get to go to uh, a, a plaintiff conference, uh, kind of under disguise for a couple of days, um, you know, and it was just very interesting to see some of the strategies and, uh, the, you know, the how they would maneuver stuff and how they would teach each other to do this. And I remember just sitting in that room, just shaking my head at this. And, but they, they're very intentional in what they do. And I think the plaintiff side has been very strategic in building kind of a cooperative group amongst plaintiff attorneys uh, to round table a lot of these claims where I don't see that on the defense side as much. So I think the plaintiffs definitely are several years ahead of us in this game. And if, if you want to call it that, and I think they're they've really really refined um, their goal and how they're going to walk you through this path. Like you said, you don't even realize you're walking down this path until it's too late. Um, but I believe they start that process early on in discovery. They and they they walk it all the way through. I'm actually early next week with one of my clients. We're um, we're walking through through some uh, deposition training because they actually have one of these coming up here real soon yeah. and it's gonna be a lot of those questions like how, what, what are we doing here to prepare for this? How, how are we gonna have these discussions and what do I need to look for? But I think that's, uh, it's very important, I think that motor carriers need to understand what's going on. Uh, one of the biggest things that I um, took away from that plaintiff attorney conference that I went to, uh, speaker after speaker led with this one sentence if you dig deep enough, it's the trucker's fault. Wow. And they would say that over and over and over and it kind of become the anthem that they led the the conference with. Um, so I really do, you know, and it goes back to what I said earlier about an individual's companies, their policies and procedures. I think it is so crucial that, that we review those and we find those often to where a motor carriers had the same policies and procedures for three, four, five years. Well, a lot of their operations may have changed. Maybe before they were hauling dry vans and now they're hauling reefer freight or maybe they're pulling a pneumatic tank or maybe their operations have changed. And we have to really look at like, all right, does our policies and procedures, does our orientation, does our training material, does all of this, does it mirror exactly what we're doing now in our in our current operations? And I think that always has to be, you know, walked through and kept current because uh, that stuff's changing every day. And I think it's vitally important that motor carriers get out and, and, and they share with their peers, um, you know, industry challenges, because I think we can all learn from each other. And for, for too long, it's almost like the industry, in the trucking industry, we've all operated in these silos and we want to hold, hold our family secrets close to the <laughs> test and not share. Well, we're all going through the same struggles and we need to, I think, come together as peers to like, how do we figure out how to get ahead of this as an industry? So,
0: yeah, and you and I um, and others have talked about this, how to cr- increase communication camaraderie and and share ideas and share strategy um, because our adversary, like you said, they are very, very good at, um, at, at communicating and at sharing ideas. And I think that's really put um, um, the industry and just the, the entire it's not just trucking. I think it's the entire defense bar is oftentimes behind the eight ball because they're, they're three steps behind. And until the uh, communication uh, improves, I, I'm not really sure um, we can get ahead of the, get it, get get ahead of the bad guys here. So, yeah.
1: You know, there's one thing that I think is really neat about the time we're in right now. I mean, in, if we want to find a silver silver lining, I guess in the COVID and down in the oil prices and obviously the country's just kind of in a, in a different state of mind right now. One one thing that I think is absolutely important. Um, when I was a little kid, um, just thinking about driving down the road, and and you can picture some little kid giving the truck driver the horn, and you know, and the trucker honk. Well, back then, I mean, it was really a different state of mind to where the trucking industry and a truck driver, it was a notable career to be a truck driver. That was, was that was cool. a, it was yeah, yeah it really <laughs> was. And for now, you know, the industry as a whole. Um, there's a lot of negativity that goes with the trucking industry. And 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 what I think is what really what's really a neat position we're in right now, and we see it on social media, we see it from President Trump, we see it from all the governors, that truck truck drivers are right up there with doctors and nurses as our frontline heroes. Yep. And I think we need to remember that as a country, and you know, and as, as the world and the country opens back up and traffic gets busy, we've got to understand that these truck drivers are delivering the very commodities that each of us want to survive on every day. And I just, you know, I just look at that and think, I, I don't I don't want our country to look up in 30 or 60 days from now and have short term memory of where we are today. These guys are crucial to our economy and we need to remember that.
0: I think that's going to require an industry public relations effort that's really sustained beyond COVID-19 to get that message out, um, to have more of that feel good message out there because otherwise, you know how these juries are and how people are, you know, wow. what, what have you done for me lately? lately. <laughs> and, uh, very, very short term memory. Well, Tim, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Be safe out there in Dallas. We'll make sure to have you uh, back on as things progress. Okay.
1: Sounds great. Have a good day. Take care, bud.